0: Hi, this is David and Barbie Cooper. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's always a privilege to share this time with you. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. And for more information and resources to help you grow in your walk with the Lord, go to malparan.com. Thank you for your generous support. It helps the ministry greatly. If you're like me, you wanna live a productive life. I have no interest in living a busy life. In fact, I think busyness is a sin. I think it's a symptom of a mismanaged life. I want to produce something, not just talk about something or dream about something. I want to accomplish things in my life. And I know you are just like me. The most famous and important parable Jesus ever told was about living a productive life, producing something with our lives. Even he talked about the fact that we should bear fruit in John 15 and 8. He said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In other words, produce something. When God created us in the beginning of time, put Adam and Eve in the garden. It says in Genesis 1 and 28 that God blessed them and said, be fruitful. Paul the Apostle talks about in Galatians 5 and 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So the goal of life is to not be busy. The goal of life is to produce something with your talent, with your ability, with your gift, to produce spiritually. You can do that by your personal fruit, by growing in Christ, the fruit of maturity. You can do it by helping others, the fruit of ministry. So Jesus told a parable. He said it was his most important parable. In fact, he told the disciples in Mark four thirteen, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of the other parables about life in the kingdom of God. So he tells a story. It's in all of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He tells a story about the sower, the seed, and the soils. And we've been sharing together in this parable, in this series of messages. The sower For the farmer, he says, is the son of man, Jesus, the Messiah. But you and I, once we become disciples, we also are sowers as well. We make an investment in other people's lives. The seed is the word of God. It's the good news of who Jesus is, the savior of the world. And it is also the teachings of the word of God that we find in the teachings of Christ and in all of the books of the Bible. So you and I, like Christ, following in his footsteps, are farmers, and he gives us a powerful seed, the Word of God that we can share with others, that we can invest in others, that we can communicate with others. Think of all the amazing ways you have today, just through technology, through social media, through your cell phone. You can share the Word of God in so many powerful ways. You can plant that seed in your children, in your family, in the lives of your friends, and that seed is so powerful, the Word of God, that wherever it's planted, it will begin to grow and produce a spiritual impact in In people's lives. But then he says there are four types of soil that the seed fell on in this story. We've talked about the first two. The seed fell on the path. The birds of the air came and ate it up, he said. Well, that represents people hearing the word. But he says Satan comes and steals the word out of their heart. So it never really takes root. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 8, that the seed was trampled on by others. And sometimes people step on the word and trample it and persecute it or discourage us or they're skeptics so that we don't believe it. The second type of soul, which represents a second type of person, or it represents a response of our hearts to the word of God, is the seed that fell on rocky places. All these rocks and the soul is very shallow. So the Seed began to sprout and it grew up quickly because it had no roots, but the sun rose and it scorched it. It never produced anything. Well, he says that some people hear the word of God with joy. They receive it. They're so excited about it and they begin to grow, but because they have no root when trouble comes in their life or persecution because of the word, he says they quickly fall away. They hear the word. They quickly receive it. They're excited about what God says, but they have no spiritual depth Because they are spiritually shallow, when any trouble or difficulty comes to their life, or they're persecuted or ridiculed because they're a Christian, they don't grow. They quickly fall away from Christ. Now, today we want to talk about the last two types of soil. The soil represents the condition of the heart and the mind. I want to encourage you to stop thinking of the heart and the mind as two different things because the Bible really doesn't teach that. The word heart and mind are used interchangeably. Some people say, well, the mind is about thinking, the heart is about feeling. That's not really true. The words heart and mind in the Bible are used interchangeably. Take, for example, Proverbs 23, 7. You probably know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So there you have the word heart and think in the same phrase. So the heart or the mind is all the same thing. It's thinking, feeling, and deciding. Intellect, will, and emotion. The heart, the mind, it's all the same thing. It's the internal, the invisible part of us. So the soul represents four types of people or four responses of the human heart and mind to when we hear the word of God. So the third type of soul is the seed that fell among thorns. Now we read this in Mark chapter four, verse 18 and 19. He explains what this means. The seed, the word of God, he says, is like a seed that fell among thorns. Some people, he said, they hear the word of God, they receive it, and they begin to grow. But the thorns come in and choke the word and make it unfruitful. Now, think about that. They have faith, but they have no fruit. They have the belief, but they're not producing anything. It doesn't really change their life. They don't live it out. And a lot of us find ourselves, and we say, well, I believe the Word of God. I believe the promises of God. I believe the truth of God. And yet, when you look at our lifestyle, you don't see any evidence of that because we have these thorns that are choking out. So we study the Word. We believe the Word. But these thorns... While we're growing, come in and choke the word so that we don't have fruit. We have faith, but we don't have fruit. Now, what are these thorns that we need to look out for, that we need to get out of the garden of our soul, of our hearts and our minds, so we can grow spiritually? He said there are three types of thorns to look out for. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. It doesn't take the word of God out of our hearts, doesn't change the fact that we believe the word of God. It just makes our faith and our knowledge of the word of God unfruitful. We just don't produce anything with it because we're being choked out by these thorns. There are three types of thorns that choke out the spiritual impact of the Word of God in our hearts. The worries of this life, not the worries of the next life. Some people worry about that, but we have eternal life. We don't worry about that. But we often worry about this life. The word worry itself means to strangle or to choke. The more your heart and mind becomes the victim of worry, the more your faith will get choked out. So you'll sit in a worship service or a Bible study like this. You'll hear the word of God. You have such great faith, but you walk out the front door of your house and get in your car or you lay down at night and you start thinking about all the problems and the next thing you know, the worries rise up. And if you read your text and your emails and your social media and you listen to yourself, you're always telling all of your friends how worried you are. You should be producing the fruit of faith. You should be telling them, God's going to get us through this. God's given me a promise. You see, you have a faith in your heart, but the fruit is all this negative confession of your worry and your fear. The worry is choking out your faith. And every time the worry rises, you got to worship God. You've got to quote the promises of God. So look out for the worries of this life. They choke the word of God and they make the word of God unfruitful. The deceitfulness of wealth. Wealth is not a problem. We all need wealth. I pray that you will have great wealth. That's a blessing of God we see all through the scripture. It's the deceitfulness of it. It's the false belief that making more money is going to make you more happy. It's the false belief that money equals success. Money does not equal success. Doing the will of God equals success. So don't let money play havoc in your mind. Don't envy what other people have. That's the 10th commandment. You shall not covet. The word covet means to reach out and grasp for more because we're discontent with where we are in life. Pursue your business, grow your business, make more money, give more money, save more money, but don't let it choke out the word of God. Don't start telling yourself it makes you more important than others or more successful than others. It doesn't. It's just a gift God has given you to enjoy life, to bless your family, and to advance the kingdom of God. Don't chase money. Do the will of God. God will bless you financially. So the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and then the desires for other things. Things that distract you from God's will in your life. The things of this world that are passing away. John says in First John chapter 2, verse 17, the world and its desires are passing away. But he who does the will of God will live forever. The greatest desires are to seek God with all of your heart. The greatest desires are for your family and your friends, for the good things in life. But if you're not careful, there are desires for other things that are not God's will for us. Desires for things in this world that don't really make us happy anyway. It's the distractions The devil is a god of distractions that distract us always away from doing the will of God, from what's important in our lives. When Jesus went into his ministry after his baptism, went into the desert to fast and pray, according to Matthew's gospel, chapter four, and the devil appeared and tempted him, all of those temptations of Christ were about distracting him from his mission is the Messiah. The word temptation means to seduce, to allure, and to distract, to draw us off course. And so Jesus says, be careful as you're hearing the word, as you're growing, you want to produce fruit in your life. Look out for the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. Keep your heart pure from those things. It's like in gardening or your lawn you have to get the weeds or the thorns out. Things may grow, but if the ground is full of weeds and thorns, it will choke it all out and make it unfruitful. Now, the Final type of soul is what you and I want to get to is where we want to live. He talks about the good soul. So in Mark chapter four and verse twenty, the last statement in this parable, his explanation, he says others are like seed that fell on good soil. They hear the word of God, they accept it, and they produce a crop. And when they start producing and growing, they produce 30 times what was sown, 60 times what was sown, 100 times what was sown. And you all know that a small seed has this incredible power, this of multiplication. So he says, if you want to grow personally, you want to grow in your temperament, your mood, and your vocabulary, and your communication skills, and you want to become more like Jesus... And you want to grow and make an impact on other people and help them spiritually and lead them to Christ and make disciples of others and be a source of encouragement to others as a minister of the gospel. If you want to grow, and I know you do, he says, you've got to hear the word of God. You've got to accept it. And then you'll produce a crop. So when you and I open the Bible to read it or you hear a teaching like this in which I'm sharing the word of God with you, or you hear a message preached You and I want to stop and really listen. Now, remember, the first word of this parable as he opens it in Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 4, verse 1 and following. When he tells the story, the first word he says to the people is, listen. He's teaching a large crowd when he shared this parable. He said, listen, the farmer went out to sow the seed. The first word of the parable is, Listen. When we began this study of this parable and this time of sharing the word, I pointed out to you and I remind you today that the first word of the greatest commandment is not love. Many of you say, well, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God. That's not the first word of the great commandment. The greatest commandment is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The first word of the greatest commandment is hear or listen Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, blessed are those, blessed, fruitful, favored are those who hear the word of God and obey it. When Jesus spoke to the church in Revelation, the seven churches that represent the entire, perfect, complete church, in each message, he ends it by saying, whoever has ears should hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. So for us to grow spiritually, We have to hear the word of God. We can't argue with it. We can't debate it. We can't say, well, that doesn't really mean what I think it says. And you can't allow your religious tradition to be the way you interpret the Bible. When you read the word of God or you hear it preached, the simple, pure, written word, nothing added to it, be careful that your own bias. If you've been raised in a denomination or raised in church or raised with some spiritual or religious influence, be very careful that you don't listen to the word or read it with that interpretation already in your mind. Oh, open your mind like the psalmist prayed in Psalm 119 verse 18. He prayed, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. If you assume you already know what it means because that's what you've been told what it means, you'll, you'll miss a lot of things. So read it with an open heart, open mind. Ask God to open your eyes to see wonderful things in his law. God will show you some amazing things sometimes in the scripture that will bless and change, revolutionize your life. So to grow, you have to hear the word until you have to accept it. What does that mean? It means you've got to accept the Bible as greater than and superior than any other book ever written. It's the only book that is inspired of God. 2 Timothy 3:16 All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Hebrews 4:12 The word of God is living and active. It's the only book. And I've read a lot of books as you have. But the Bible is the only one inspired. I've read a lot of great books, read a lot of boring books, read a lot of books I got inspiration from, read a lot of books I got nothing out of, usually textbooks. But there's only one book that's inspired, has the breath, the life of God in it. And Jesus said in John 6 and and 63, my words are spirit and they're life. And that's why many people today aren't growing spiritually. We're living in a skeptical society that moves more and more toward agnosticism or atheism. It's constantly... Putting down faith in God, the secular culture that you and I are living in today, is constantly undermining, well, you can't really believe the Bible. It doesn't mean what it says. You can believe part of it. You can't believe the other part. And our children today and our young people are constantly being told that everything is the same. All religions are the same. There's no absolute truth. And so when they open the pages of the Bible, they don't have the same level of faith in it. If you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to accept it as God's word, not the word of men. That's what Paul commended the Thessalonians for. Second Thessalonians 2.13, he commends that church. He said, because when you heard the word of God from us, you accepted it as it really is the word of God, not the word of men. So when you open your Bible to read it, or you hear the word of God preached and taught, accept it, say, this is God's word. Don't sit in judgment on the word. Let the word sit in judgment of you. Don't examine the scriptures merely. Let the scriptures examine you. That's how you and I begin to grow to accept it. This is the authoritative Word of God. Now, I may not understand it, you say, or I may not understand all the implications of it. Well, that's why we're growing and learning together. But that's you still accept it, say, this is God's Word. This is true. Now, I've got to pray about it. I've got to think about what this means. Lord, show me what this means, how to apply it to my life. But you start from the point of, I'm not questioning what the Scripture says. I'm not arguing what the Scripture says. I accept it as the Word of God. So you hear the word, he says you accept the word, and then you produce a crop. That means you and I say, well, this is what the scripture is saying. This is what Jesus is teaching. Well, how do I apply that? If he says, let your yes be yes and your no, no, as he does in the Sermon on the Mount, for example, in Matthew chapter 5, you've got to stop and say, well, how do I need to change the way that I'm talking to others? Because if you take that at face value, he's saying, simplify your speech. Be careful with your speech. If he says, love your neighbors yourself, you've got to look at yourself as I do. So are there ways that I'm not being loving? Are there ways that I'm not showing the compassion of Christ? If the scripture says in James 2, 13, one of my favorite scriptures, for example, mercy triumphs over judgment, then you've got you to apply it. You've got to produce something with it. you got to say, you know I need to be more merciful to people. And not so judgment. That's what it means to produce a crop. When you hear the word of God, ask yourself, how can I apply this? How can I live this in my life? And Jesus says, Give and it shall be given to you, you got to look at your finances. So what kind of giving am I doing to the church, to the ministry, to support the kingdom of God? Producing a crop means we take what we hear in the word And we apply it in our life. We apply it in our marriages. We apply it in the way we parent our kids. We apply it in the way we speak and relate to our parents. We apply it to the way that we work, our work ethic. We apply it to the way we treat people at work. We apply it to every area of our life. That's how we produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100. We all grow at different levels. That's what that means. But you'll find yourself producing Spiritually, you'll find yourself growing, the fruit of maturity, and you'll find yourself producing an impact on others, the fruit of ministry to others. This parable reveals so much about life. You, too, are a farmer. You're a follower of Jesus. God has given you a powerful seed, the Word of God, to help you grow, to reach your own potential, to succeed in your own life, and to also be a blessing to others. So I encourage you to go out today and to scatter the seed of the word of God to make a difference in somebody's life today. Join me for prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word, and how it teaches us and instructs us. And I pray that all of us will hear the word of God more clearly, accept it as it really is the word of God, and produce a crop to live it out as you give us grace and ability in Jesus' name. I trust the message has been an encouragement to you today. Remember to follow us on social media and connect with us at MountPerrin.com. I'll see you right here next week for a fresh message from God's Word.